Now, the Three Martini Lunch with Greg Columbus and Jim Garrity. And welcome, everyone, to the Monday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Trust you had a wonderful weekend, along with Jim Garrity of National Review. I'm Greg Columbus of Radio America. We have good, bad, and crazy martinis for conservatives today. All of it brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Right now, Three Martini Lunch listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ziprecruiter.com slash martini, ziprecruiter.com slash martini. A little bit more on ZipRecruiter in just a few minutes. Jim, let's start with our good martini. And for the second time in less than a week, it's the foreign policy moves of the Trump administration. Late last week, we talked about how NATO's actually become a better entity as a result of some tough love from the president and perhaps some good cop, bad cop work with uh, the vice president and president. Today, uh, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo announcing, and I believe we learned about this late yesterday, that the U.S. government is officially designating the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps as a terrorist organization. This is a big deal, and here's Secretary of State Mike Pompeo explaining it today. For 40 years, the Islamic Republic's Revolutionary Guard Corps has actively engaged in terrorism and created, supported, and directed other terrorist groups. The IRGC masquerades as a legitimate military organization, but none of us should be fooled. It regularly violates the laws of armed conflict. It plans, organizes, and executes terror campaigns all around the world. From the moment it was founded, the IRGC's mandate was to defend and export the regime's revolution by whatever means possible. The IRGC institutionalized terrorism shortly after its inception, directing horrific attacks against the Marine barracks in Beirut in 1983 and the U.S. Embassy Annex in 1984, alongside the terror group it midwifed, Lebanese Hezbollah. Its operatives have worked to destabilize the Middle East from Iraq to Lebanon to Syria and to Yemen. With this designation, the Trump administration is simply recognizing a basic reality. Dealing it straight there, Jim. And if you're like me, uh, people of a certain age, you know about the work of the IRGC. They were basically orchestrating uh, attacks on U.S. troops in Iraq. And if you're old enough, just the reference to the attack on the U.S. Marine barracks in Lebanon in 1983 has your blood pressure skyrocketing right now. So the fact that these people are being called out and there are penalties to go along with it is great news. Yeah. And look, this is a natural side effect of a state or a regime that uses terror groups as a proxy and basically uses its military as both a trainer of those groups and equipper of those groups. Um, It's it's an attempt to blur the line between state-sponsored terrorism and non-state-sponsored terrorism and create this sort of gray area. And uh, this is the administration saying, we're not going to do this. I also think it's very revealing, Greg, that in response to the accusation that the IRGC is uh, is a, you know, is a dangerous, menacing, threatening organization. The response from Iranian Foreign Minister Javad Zarif was, they seek to drag the U.S. into a quagmire on its behalf. This is referring to Israel. And he says, if the Americans do such stupidity and put our national security at risk, the U.S. Army and security forces in the West Asia region will not enjoy today's peace. So that that refutes the argument that they're menacing and threatening, doesn't it? What, What better way to put that to bed? Look, you know, you notice nobody's actually saying, well, look, it's not, no, the IRGC didn't do this. Right? This is not, you know, no, no one's really disputing the facts that were laid out by Secretary of State Pompeo there. It's mostly that, well, 
it's rude for us to notice this. <laughs> We're supposed to avert our eyes. This is very important. If we notice it and call them out on it and enforce penalties and consequences for this, it might upset the Iranians and they might do more. Like, say, use the IRGC for terrorism, which is what the whole court, uh, the whole issue is about. So, um, look, this is good. I myself do not fear antagonizing Tehran. Look, I, I you know, when, when they begin every day by chanting death to America, Greg, how much angrier can they get? <laughs> right. Well, we'll see if Zarif makes good on it. Uh, turns out this Secretary of State not quite as chummy with uh, Javad Zarif as the, one of the previous Secretaries of State. I can't say the last one because that was Tillerson, but the one before that, John Kerry. What do you need to make this deal, Mr. Zarif? No anytime inspections on military sites? Okay. A uh, little bit different strategy this time. You know, I've spent some quality time. I've been building a condo here in Geneva since we're here so often. So. <laughs> Rolling out the red carpet. But uh, if you need somebody better than John Kerry or the, his equivalent at whatever job you need to fill, uh, ZipRecruiter is the way to go. This might actually be a better transition <laughs> into the second martini. Uh, ZipRecruiter uh, is the way to go because hiring is challenging. But there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. A place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. And that place is ZipRecruiter.com martini. ZipRecruiter sends your job to more than 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a good match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. 80% of the time you get a qualified candidate on day one. It's pretty hard to beat that. And right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash martini. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash martini, ZipRecruiter.com slash M-A-R. T-I-N-I. After all, ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. And Jim, usually we uh, use one of our sponsors as gifts for political figures around Black Friday time, right after Thanksgiving. I'm going to break the mold here and suggest it to the Trump administration now, since they have so many cabinet vacancies that they're still trying to fill. And now they've got a brand new one. DHS Secretary Kirsten Nielsen is out or will be as of Wednesday. CBS News, Department of Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nielsen abruptly resigned Sunday as the president continues to fume over continued illegal border crossings. CBS News first reported Nielsen's impending departure, which Mr. Trump confirmed in a tweet after a 5 p.m. meeting with Nielsen at the White House. His tweet was Secretary of Homeland Security Kirsten Nielsen will be leaving her position, and I would like to thank her for her service. I am pleased to announce that Kevin Mekalinen, if I'm saying that correctly, probably not, the current U.S. Customs and Border Protection Commissioner, will become acting commissioner for DHS.gov. I have confidence that Kevin will do a great job. The previous tweet from Nielsen herself said this afternoon, I submitted my resignation to POTUS and thanked him for the opportunity to serve in his administration. It's been an honor of a lifetime to serve with the brave men and women of DHS. So, Jim, not only has Kirsten Nielsen really been through the ringer in her year plus on the job here, uh, I guess we'll find out in due time what the details are. Some say it's a difference over family separation policy. In the end, though, this revolving door, not only at DHS, because we're going to be on our third secretary here whenever Trump comes up with a nominee, but you look at just the cabinet revolving door in so many of these different departments, it's just hard to get any continuity going here. 
Yeah, my fear is that there are two arguments from Stephen Miller uh, that he puts in the president's ear and that always seem to get traction. The first is, Mr. President, don't take the deal. If you hold out, they'll come back with a better offer later, um, which we've seen in several times when they've had to negotiate uh, immigration deals with Congress. Um, you know, there was quite a bit more wall funding on the table. I believe it was, you know, tens of billions on the table at one point. It was going to require giving up, you know, on the DACA and um, uh, the some of the protections for the folks who've been give, granted asylum. You know, that's generally how you get uh, that. That's generally the art of the deal, as the president uh, famously says he wrote the book on. You know, you're going to have to give up something in exchange. You get something and you have to choose your priority. You have to choose which is most important to you. And quite a few times the president has seen a good deal slipped through the fingers. This is how we got into the last government shutdown. He just had this attitude that at some point Democrats were going to come to the table offering him more than they were offering beforehand. And um, he was convinced time was on his side and we saw the deal that he got. I think a lot of folks said that that was a government shutdown without much of a point because this was the deal that was on the table all along. Um, the similar one was some variation of Mr. President, they're just not tough enough. Look, I suppose you could make an argument that uh, Kirsten, first of all, she got a lot of grief on Capitol Hill. I think we all remember uh, Cory Booker castigating her and, and you know all of that. Um, I think she defended the administration policies as best as possible. Um, there's only so much you can do about immigration policy from, from within the executive branch. The current problem we're having on the border, one part of it is legislative and the idea that we need Congress to change the laws as they apply to asylum and things like that. And the other issue is judicial. And we've had a bunch of judges that have ruled against the administration, sometimes with uh, easily justifiable terms and sometimes not so justifiable terms. Um, but this is, you know, I, I don't know how much you can say that Kirsten Nelson was the, the real problem here, that the, she was the weak link and all that kind of stuff. I think she was doing the best job she could with the resources that she had and with the legal authority that she had to deal with the problem on the border that is getting more and more serious. So, uh, you know, is, is it possible that we'll end up with a better situation with Kevin Michalinen? I suppose. I'm not terribly familiar with him. I'm not going to pretend that I am. I, I believe somebody from within the organization reassures me somewhat. Uh, I really like Ken Cuccinelli. I know he says a lot of the right things on this. I don't know if a guy who was a former state attorney general can jump right in and uh, uh, organize the entire bureaucracy. Also worth noting, you know, I'm not going on wood as I say this, Greg. We have not had a domestic terrorist attack, a major U.S. you know Islamist jihadist terrorist attack since uh, Orlando. Am I forgetting one in there? Yeah, that was after San Bernardino, I think. So, yeah, I think that's the last. I mean, we had the, we had the nut guy, job was wanted to stab people in the middle of the street up in New York City. Occasionally, guys behind the wheel of cars and speculation, but that being a motive, you know, I mean, DHS, all things considered, is doing pretty good on a whole bunch of these duties here. Um, so there's this, this sneaking suspicion that Nielsen turned into a scapegoat for the administration's frustrations on the immigration issue. Um, maybe you'll do better with another DHS secretary. My suspicion is not. My suspicion is that whoever the next nominee is is going to have a very difficult confirmation hearing. Um, probably going to be another one of those party line uh, votes. We'll see how things shake out. And, uh, you know, again, as you, as you mentioned, like you were on a third one in Trump's third year of his presidency. Um, when you sign on to these jobs of this Trump administration, do you expect to last more than a year? And how much of it is the president's impatience, how much of it is uh, just a very difficult working environment, hostile. You know, the House is uh, now controlled by Democrats. They're probably going to be shooting over subpoenas every five minutes. You know, I, I don't know whether there's, like, there's a sneaky suspicion that when this, you know, we're starting to get into the George Steinbrenner stage of the Trump presidency, Greg. <laughs> when he gets frustrated, he fires somebody. And uh, look, 
the Yankees struggled through a lot of years in which, you know, Steinbrenner was impatient in firing people, but they were always kind of, you know, they, they didn't win the, did not win the World Series during a lot of that stretch. You know, managers have to learn patience. And uh, I don't know if, uh, if you know, hopefully the, the replacement will be better. But, um, uh, you know, again, it would be nice to see somebody in this, it'd be nice to see somebody in this administration stay in, the, stay in a job for more than, you know, a year and a half. So you're recommending Joe Torre then for this position? Ha! Look, you know, he, he could be stabilizing. He could be tough. <laughs> yeah. If we say, you know, somebody mentioned this to Trump, you could just kind of always see him nodding. Yeah, you know, he did. Yeah. And look, don't we all need some more relief? Yes, absolutely. You know, got, got the job done. Won, uh, what? Yeah, four World Series with the Yankees. So not bad. We'll never get tired of winning. All right, speaking of winning, uh, Tommy Tuberville did that a lot at Auburn as their football coach. 85-40 and 40 in 10 seasons, including a perfect 13-0 in 2004. They were not crowned national champions, though. He's now running for Senate in the state of Alabama. Uh, let's go to hot air. Doug Jones, Democratic senator from Alabama, has another Republican willing to challenge him for the seat in 2020. Saturday, former Auburn football coach Tommy Tuberville announced his candidacy for the Senate and is running as a Republican. Sean Spicer, former White House press secretary for President Trump, is on board Team Tuberville. They, and they go on and talk about how Jones uh, won a surprise against Roy Moore after all the allegations against Roy Moore. Uh, Tommy Tuberville's tweet, after more than a year of listening to Alabama citizens, I have heard your concerns and hopes for a better tomorrow. I am humbled to announce the next step. I will be a Republican candidate for U.S. Senate. I invite you to join my team, TommyForSenate.com, hashtag Team Tommy, hashtag Alabama Senate hashtag MAGA, which is interesting because the other guy running for Senate is a more moderate Republican named Bradley Byrne, who is not necessarily on board the MAGA train. So here's the the crazy part here. Obviously, if Tommy Tuberville uh, turns out to be a good candidate, that's a great thing for conservatives. But it's in the state of Alabama, and he's a former Auburn coach. And you think, oh, I know, there's a big rivalry, Auburn and Alabama. But when it comes to politics, they can get past that. Don't be so sure. Uh, Jim, this isn't in the story, but I remember a couple years ago the story of Toomer's Corner in Auburn. And whenever Auburn wins a big game, they throw up rolls of toilet paper and get the toilet paper in all the branches of the trees. Well, they often do that when they beat Alabama, which lately hasn't happened a lot, but it did when Cam Newton was there and happens a couple other times over the years. And Tommy Tuberville actually won six in a row against Alabama when they were kind of in their their, uh, doldrums phase there in the 2000s. And so somebody from Alabama poisoned these trees at Toomer's Corner. And I don't know whatever happened with this case, but I know initially they weren't able to impanel a jury because they couldn't find any Alabama fans willing to convict anybody if the preponderance of the evidence suggested that an Alabama fan had done this. So can Tommy Tuberville actually get elected uh, in a state where he once coached Auburn? You know, Greg, uh, when we hear about those sectarian divides in the Middle East... (laughs) The Sunni and the Shia fighting, or, you know, actually we're coming up the 25th anniversary of Rwanda, you know. Let's observe, you know, when you hear, oh, how could people over there be so irrationally hatred of someone who's another human being who doesn't seem all that different from them? Yeah, well, we can see at least at least some tiny little seedlings of how that mentality <laughs> could take root. Um, so here's the thing. I would warn Republicans in Alabama. I know it's a very Republican state. I know it's a very conservative state. I know, ah, you know, there's no way a Republican could lose in this state. Well, Doug Jones won, right? So let's, let's, not, let's not persuade ourselves, ah, any Republican's going to win. Don't worry, it'll be fine. Second of all, I'd be curious about how many listeners, when we, when we first mentioned in this segment the name Doug Jones, 
said, oh, yeah, that guy. Right? You notice he's been U.S. Senator and you've not heard his name very much. He is keeping his head down. He's, he's voting with his party, you know, more times than you and I would like. But he's generally not taking that many particularly egregious votes that would make an easy slam dunk against him. He's going to do everything he can to stay in this seat in 2020. Is he gonna, you know, and he'll have the advantage of incumbency. And the argument that he, you know, it's Republicans going to say, oh, look, he, you know, he ended up going, he went Washington, he voted with the rest of his party, he became a down-the-line Democrat, he's a liberal, et cetera, et cetera. And it probably will work. You'd have to say Republicans are probably favored for this seat. But I think the experience of Doug Jones and, uh, and Roy Moore and all of that should make Republicans a little more cautious. We should not be so confident that things are going to break our way. So when you say, look, could a college football rivalry cost us a Senate seat in 2020? My answer is, yeah, anything could go wrong at this point. Don't let's not, let's not take anything for granted. So um, if I am Tuberville, then you know what? That it's sub first day I win the primary. I'm putting on a big Alabama hat. I am going over to the campus and I am extending my hand and, and we're doing our best to, you know, I mean, maybe it would require uh, something akin to the Middle East peace process. Maybe it would require <laughs> some sort of grand gesture or something like that. But uh, I would hate to have something like that end up being a factor. And, you know, look, if it comes down to, to one or two percent, God, you'd hate to have something you know, something like that end up being the factor. So um, again, is this a good reason to vote for or against somebody? Some people might argue whether college football coaches are really the best person to, perform, to, to serve in the U.S. Senate and what other experience he has to it. But uh, we will see how it shakes out. Um, the other thing I would point out is that I hope this does not turn into a big, messy, ugly primary because one, that was part of how Roy Moore ended up winning the primary vote. And two, um, that's, that was a factor in Doug Jones's victory in that special election as well. So Alabama Republicans, look, you know, you got, you know, you're a red state, but you got some red faces down there. You got a little egg on your face and it's time for you guys to unite, you know, pick a candidate, unite behind that candidate, have a, have a fair primary. Don't let everything get too nasty and hopefully things will work out because uh, if we've learned anything, Alabama is not as safe a state as the conventional wisdom would hold. You know, we talk all the time about endorsements don't matter anymore. I have no idea what Nick Saban's politics are. But I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure if he says I'm with Tommy, that'll that'll solve the problem. That will help. There you go. All right. That means all of a sudden we have to like Nick Saban. <laughs> what would you do if, if you found out? And he might be because he seems to be pretty chummy with Trump. Uh, you know, Bill Belichick retires to Virginia, died in the wold conservative, runs against Tim Kaine or Mark Warner. What do you do? If Belichick or Brady moved to Virginia and chose to run against Mark Warner or Tim Kaine. Um, I don't. I assume I probably would vote Republican, Greg. But I know in the end it wouldn't really matter um, because I've learned from history, Greg. No matter how much I root against Brady or Belichick, they win anyway. <laughs> Let's get that to work to your advantage. Maybe someday. There you go. So yeah, actually, you know what? Wait a second. If either of them, if if, if this this these words reach their ears and it sounds appealing, and it got them to retire this year as opposed to next year or sometime in the future, Greg, I love that idea. That's awesome. Uh, heck, I'll start putting the Belichick for Senate yard signs out now. <laughs> Get him out of Foxborough, whatever it takes. You know, <laughs> ambassador to someplace, Mr. President. Just you know, Bel- Belichick and stuff. Hey, Belichick for DHS secretary. The man knows how to secure, <laughs> how to build a defense. Yeah, he held the Rams to three points in the Super Bowl. So uh, the guy, if you, if you can stop the Rams, you can stop the Coyotes on the border. <laughs> moving on, moving on to Honduras. 
Oh, what a start to the week, Greg. Absolutely. Have a great one, Jim. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. Jim Garrity of National Review. I'm Greg Columbus of Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. And be sure to visit our friends over at ZipRecruiter. Get that job filled fast. Get it filled by tomorrow. ZipRecruiter.com slash martini. And tune in on Tuesday for the next Three Martini Lunch.